Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is our 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everyone. Steve, you know I don't do ghost stories in general, because they're just too hard to document, but I've got a ghost story tonight with some very dark yet fascinating history. Oh, good. It's the story of the Franklin Castle and its first family, the Tiedemans. Now, Franklin Castle is located in a Cleveland neighborhood called Ohio City, and it's named for the road it was built on. In the late 19th century, Franklin Boulevard was probably second only to Euclid Avenue's Millionaire's Row as the city's most prestigious residential address. The house was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1982, But it's more famously on other kinds of lists. It's hard to find a list of the most haunted places in the country without seeing Franklin Castle on it. And no wonder, six family members died on the property, leading to all kinds of rumors and innuendos. And it all begins with Hans Tiedemann, a smart and ambitious immigrant who came to America with his siblings and widowed mother, when he was just 16 years old. Hans started out apprenticed to a barrel maker in Royalton, Ohio, and moved to Cleveland in 1855 at the age of about 22. There he found work as a clerk for a wholesale grocer while living in a rooming house at Cleveland's public square. He was a fast learner and picked up the business well enough that he started his own firm with a partner named John Christian Wiedemann which was perfect because they named their new wholesale grocery business Wiedemann and Tiedemann. Oh, nice. (laughs) It was meant to be. But it was just a pit stop for Hans Tiedemann. A few years later, he went in an entirely new direction. He became a banker. Hmm. He even helped to form three Cleveland banks, including the United Bank and Savings Company, where he was its president for 20 years. Now let's go back to 1862 while he was still in the wholesale food business and trying to make a name for himself. Hans married Louisa Hook, and the couple had six children. They built a nice home on Franklin Boulevard. This is not the building that will come to be known as Franklin Castle, but rather the first residence they constructed at the site. But soon after that first home was built, 
a wave of deaths began to destroy the family. The Tiedemanns lost three young children, all younger than the age of two, between 1863 and 1873. Now, this was an era when it wasn't uncommon to lose a child in those first fragile years, but losing three of them was a devastating blow. The Tiedemanns raised their house and built a new elaborate one. It was said Hans had done it in part to distract Louisa Tiedemann from her mourning. In 1883, Hans and Louisa moved into the new house with their three surviving children, August, Dora, and Emma. The new Victorian-style house looked like a castle with turrets and gargoyles, faces of children carved into the facade, and four stories of stone featuring 80 windows. There were almost 30 rooms and 13 fireplaces and even a ballroom. The space was meant not only for the Tiedemann family, but to give temporary shelter to friends, family, and others that Hans was helping to emigrate from Germany. But death still stalked the Tiedemanns. In 1891, they lost a fourth child, 15-year-old daughter Emma. The cause was listed as diabetes, but it didn't stop neighbors from wondering what was going on with the Tiedemanns. A few weeks after Emma died that same winter, Hans' elderly mother, Rebecca, died also. Then four years later, in 1895, Louisa Tiedemann herself died, reportedly from liver failure. She was 57 years old. Hans certainly contributed to the rumor mill by his own behavior. Within a year of Louisa's death, he remarried to a woman named Henrietta, supposedly a young waitress. They were divorced a year later. Hans' family tree also suggests he fathered a boy named Herbert by a woman named Ella May Clark. Hans' last two children preceded him in death. They both died in 1906. Hans was the last, himself dying in 1908 at the age of 75 from a massive stroke incurred while walking in a local park. Now, Hans sold Franklin Castle a year after his first wife died, and it has served many purposes over the past century, from private residence to business or charitable ventures. In 1968, it came to the James and Mary Romano family, when they and their six children reported numerous encounters with ghosts and even conducted an effort to exercise the house. Mary Romano said she found the house terrifying. The first day they moved in, her children went to explore the fourth floor, and then they came back downstairs asking their mother for a cookie, saying there was a little girl crying upstairs and they wanted to cheer her up. On other days, the children reported something and pulled the sheets from their beds. Mrs. Romano was having problems of her own. She said there were times when she felt like she wasn't in control of herself. She confided in a Catholic priest who reportedly told her he thought Louisa Tiedemann was trying to take possession of her at times and advised the family to get out of the house. They did. After the Romanos bailed out, a man named Sam Muscatello bought the house with plans to turn it into a church. At that time, John Webster, a Cleveland radio station executive who wanted to investigate the house for a radio special, said he visited the house and was climbing the stairs with a large tape recorder strapped over his shoulder 
when something tore the recorder from his shoulders and threw it down the stairs, breaking it into pieces. Now, to raise money for his church, Muscatello hosted haunted house tours and overnight stays. There was even a bit of a stir in 1975 when he announced he'd found human bones while knocking down a wall. They were human, but it is since believed Muscatello probably planted the bones there to bolster his fundraising efforts. In 1984, Michael DeVinco, the fifth and last husband of famed actress-singer Judy Garland. Please tell me you know who Judy Garland is. Of course. Okay. Over the rainbow. (laughs) Well, he bought the home and spent the next 10 years there. He said he invested about a million dollars in renovating it. He put in a pink hot tub and shag carpeting. (laughs) He even tracked down some of the castle's original furnishings. But a decade later... He put the house up for sale. There were several more owners over the next 25 years. In 2017, I found a story about the house being purchased by a European tapestry artist who has the intent to renovate it and open it to tours once again, as well as service three residential units. Over the years, there have been horrible and very much undocumented stories about the original owner, Hans Tiedemann. One version of a legend has him hanging his illegitimate daughter in the attic after finding her in bed with his grandson. I found a book on haunted locations that even claimed an axe murder happened in the tower. William Cretchy, the co-author of a book titled Haunted Franklin Castle, said he didn't believe any of that. He said Hans didn't play any role in the deaths of his four children, his wife and his mother. He said the Tiedemanns were known to be kind and were generous benefactors to the community and that the spate of deaths that wiped out his entire family was just a heartbreaking coincidence. His book also explored some other fun stories about the house. For instance, he disproved rumors that the house had tunnels for booze running during Prohibition, but he did confirm a group of German communists once used the old spire on top of the tower for a shortwave radio during World War I. The exterior of the home was even used in the Francis Ford Coppola movie, The Escape Artist, in 1982. The book also tells about outrageous parties and colorful occupants over the course of the building's history, but it's definitely the ghosts that keep the castle in the public consciousness. It's a poltergeist paradise, with people who have toured the building and families who have lived there reported everything from doors opening and closing without reason to items disappearing and reappearing in other rooms. And then there's that one vision many people can't shake, the sight of a woman dressed in black staring down from the tower room in the front of the house as if looking for the family she has lost. I don't know if this is connected. Is Tina Road named after him? I don't know, but I would not be surprised because he was a big deal. Yeah, it's a main, it's a main road up there in Brooklyn, so it's pretty interesting. And if you're going to build a castle, why not throw some children faces and gargoyles up on there? That's going <laughs> to, you know, that's going to make it. Of course, it's going to be creepy moving to a castle like that. You know, so. I, I didn't find anything that said it, but I wondered if the faces of a children that were etched into the the facade Maybe was, yeah, oh, might have been an homage to that. But the gargoyles. 
I think don't gargoyles sort of have a history, though, as being good things? Yeah, I, I believe you're right. I forget where I read that, but yeah, I think it was something... And this was back in the 1800s when they probably still had that reputation. Exactly, yeah. All right, well, that's it for our midweek 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-sized Ohio mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week, and may all of your mysteries have happy endings. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.